0: Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete, here's Sal Lakata. As we mentioned at the top of the show, this is now the fifth straight year that I've been in All Star Week, uh, in for Pete, doing these shows. We have some fun trying to keep you entertained throughout the worst period uh, of sports, or I guess the sports calendar throughout the year. And uh, tonight, our first of several in studio guests, and it's a pleasure because I haven't had uh, Pat in studio at all since we've been doing shows here. Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News, who covers the Giants, used to cover the Rangers, does some stuff at S N Y. Thanks for coming in, Pat. Appreciate
1: it. Yeah, thanks for having me here, Sal. It's a pleasure doing SMY. Why with you all these times, so uh, let's do some radio. Exactly,
0: figure why not have you in and uh, you could educate me on football. Now, take me through the... Look, in my mind, I know the Mets have stunk, right? But it's still baseball season. This is a baseball town first and foremost. We know we get the Yankees. But if you're a Mets fan, certainly you are transitioning toward football season and football fans regardless. Even if you're a Yankee fan, you can't get enough of football When do you start to get in football mode? Because it's a little early for me, but you have to cover the team. When do you start to get into real football mode?
1: Well, this offseason's been different than a lot of others because the Giants have uncharacteristically turned everything over here from the last couple of years. They fire a coach and GM for the first time in 40-some years, um, and so now you have all this turnover. Beckham's contract still isn't <clears throat> done. There's all the drama with him. There's the Janoris Jenkins situation. There is them holding the number 2 pick. Would they take a quarterback or not? They end right. up taking Saquon Barkley who could be one of the most exciting players in the league this year, not just a rookie. So there's a lot of anticipation, can the Giants contribute? And so, therefore, there hasn't been a lot of dead time, downtime. Uh, just when you get after that mini-camp in mid-June where you say, okay, it's all going to quiet down. Suddenly, we're here a week away from camp. Rookies and select veterans report on Sunday to the Giants facility, and here we go on Pat Shermer's first year.
0: And then everybody reports on Wednesday?
1: Yes, Wednesday would be the official start of camp. Everybody... If Odell shows up as well.
0: So, what's the, I guess let's start there then. A nice transition. Is he expected to show? He's been playing nice, it seems like, from afar. Look, you know, Beckham has made wrong move after wrong move really since he's been here. I blame a lot of that on the Giants, Mm -hmm. uh, not really keeping him in check from the start. But it sounds like he's playing nice, wants the extension, and at least the indications were that he's going to show up. Do you expect him to be there?
1: I think that if the Giants, we don't know a lot right now about what's happening behind the scenes, but if the Giants are making uh, true significant headway with Odell and his agent Zeke Sandu on a deal, and a deal isn't done, but they're making headway, I think he will show up. Like he told us at his camp earlier this summer, I think he wants to be there. But if the Giants don't negotiate in good faith, if they tell him, we do not intend to give you an extension, I don't think he will. I mean, that's been the line from the get-go going back to March when they uh, discussed trading him with the Rams. Uh, There was the NFL Network report that he would not step on a field without a new deal. And a large part of that is not only what he thinks he's worth, but also the injury he's coming off of, how great a player he is, and his market value at this point in his career. He does not want to Risk severe injury again without that long term security.
0: Which you could understand. I get that. Would you say at this point, look, the Giants floated out there, possibility of trading him. I think they scared him to a point where he understood he can't just be a recluse and get what he wants. So he's, you know, maybe held in line here and Mm going to say, okay, I want to be here and you guys want me here because I'm this type of player. Let's sort of come to an agreement. Do you feel that both sides want the same thing ultimately?
1: I do. I think Shermer, the head coach, has been a huge part of that. Uh, Beckham's camp and Shermer get along very well. He and Odell have formed a personal relationship. That was a large part of Beckham showing up to the start of the offseason workout. So I think the good feeling right now, even though it could go bad if they if they don't talk deal, the good feeling that we feel around this right now is a credit to the new head coach and the new GM kind of, steering this in the right direction as we get closer to the camp and that's all about trying to eliminate drama right. which marked the last couple of years under Ben McAdoo
0: yeah they well McAdoo I mean my my goodness I guess we could go to him next um so do you expect it to get done then I mean they want it to happen I don't know he's not gonna be the highest played receiver in the league we all we all know that's the game. I don't think he deserves that either but you expect a deal to get done here
1: uh, no, I, I expect a deal to get done before camp, but not before uh, – I'm sorry, before the start of the regular okay. season, but not before the start of training camp. And that's why I feel it's really on the Giants right now to take a step toward Odell here and make him realize that they are interested in signing him long-term soon. Um, and if they don't do that, then I think that plan all goes up in smoke. How much will Pat Shermer play Odell Beckham in the preseason or plan to pre- play him? Will Beckham agree to that? Uh, so you get into a lot of those disagreements. I mean, we look back at the mandatory mini camp. Everybody thought they were on the same page. And then the night before, the morning of, there were, there were reports about, oh, uh, Beckham felt the Giants were trying to force him onto the field and he wasn't ready. And so will we have another situation like that or will they be on the same page and get it done? I think by the start of the regular season, even though... Beckham has gotten the message from the Giants, like you said, and he's played nice. I do think the team recognizes that they need to get something done here.
0: Yeah, well, they don't want the distraction anymore. Mm-hmm. Ownership, Shermer, Odell, none of them. It's annoying that we're even talking about this still. So I can understand the battles back and forth during training camp, whether he's there or not, whether it's signed or not. At some point, they got to make a decision. The decision They didn't trade him, so sign him. I mean, you, you decided yep. to keep him, you got to sign him.
1: And the unusual thing is like we're standing out there on the practice field watching him. He looks great. And so I know you want to see him against a live defense, but if you're Odell, you don't want to be going up for these passes over your head like Eli threw him last preseason. He gets undercut by body Calhoun in Cleveland. So Odell's mind, he thinks he's showing that he's fully healthy and that it's time to get a deal from the Giants' end. The question is, where is that line? What's the line at which they say, okay, now we're convinced you get it, you're not going to cause any of these off-field issues and you're healthy. Nobody knows where that line is for them. All
0: right, because once he gets his money, he could become and look, you you haven't seen the change yet, so it's not like you're paying the guy who's already changed and got it. You've seen small steps maybe in that direction, but you have no idea what's going to happen. We're in studio with Pat Leonard, covers the Giants for the New York Daily News. You can see I'm on SNY. If you want to call and talk Giants and and get a Mets free t-shirt, you could do so at 800-321-0710. Pat and I will take your Giant calls if you have them. Uh, before we break, a- get on to more pressing matters, let's wrap up the McAdoo stuff. I mean, he's making headlines, talking to Peter King. I read that whole thing. He, to me, it seems like he's more delusional than he was when he was here. Mm-hmm. What would you take from McAdoo's uh, column?
1: Well, the first thing I thought is this is the last person the Giants want speaking and making Giants news a week before a camp where they want everyone to be excited instead of remembering and uh, reminiscing and going back over everything that happened and all the mistakes the last couple years. I think it's partial. I think it's another example of McAdoo's awkwardness. I mean, he should have addressed these issues prior to this. Uh, he doesn't seem sensitive to that. And I think he recognizes clearly, though, uh, that he erred in not being more relatable publicly and privately, as you see with what he's talking about, regretting not managing Odell. Frankly, if you hire a guy who's never been a head coach before, uh, you're making your own bed. And uh, another part of it would be that McAdoo still was trying to do the right thing. The one thing you can't question him on is that he was trying to take a look at other quarterbacks, including Davis Webb, right. to help the franchise. And so that's where it still doesn't make sense. It's not McAdoo's fault. Then you look at the organization and say, So you fire this guy and you never put Webb in the game. I know they still feel they don't believe any of these other quarterbacks were worth the number two pick, but they really made a mistake in not putting Webb in a game. And McAdoo was trying to do that. I won't defend him much. I'll defend him. No, on that.
0: yeah, but that's fair because I actually do respect him for making the tough decision. And he went on and talking about how all oh, I've learned that I have the ability to make the tough decision. Decision. The guy, the guy is lost, but he—if that's going to be the decision—that is a tough decision to make. I think it was the right one. You don't. What's the point of playing Eli Manning just because of a silly streak? And at least he offered him the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Do you think he? And in King's column, it would read as if uh, he did get fired. In fact, because of that Eli move, do you think that that's the case?
1: Definitely. Uh, well, I think it was building, and you know, the anonymous player comments uh, ripping him, and then—but
0: that's different than being fired for "quote right. unquote" benching Eli Manning. He did offer Manning the chance to start. Mm-hmm. He did make the. Right decision by saying our team's out of it. We got to find out what Davis Webb is, what Geno. Well, I mean, he should have known what Geno Smith is, but more importantly, Webb, and there's no point to play Eli. He shouldn't have got fired for that. Everything else he should have got fired
1: for. No, well, in a way, he was scapegoated because John Marrow was aware of this plan, but then, you know, it looks to the fans like they're up in arms, and suddenly it's. Jerry and Ben's fault, and that's it, uh, when all, when everybody was on board with it. Uh, but the fact is that is, that is the straw that broke the camel's back with McAdoo. You remember they lost to the winless 49ers. Guys were giving up on the field. Yeah. Eli had a terrible turnover in the beginning of that game it was a great example of why he deserved to be benched at some point, maybe even earlier in the year. Like you said, right decision. But he handled it poorly, and then just continued to dig himself down. I think it was telling when he finally gave this answer to this benching Eli question. He did not reference Geno Smith once, and I think that's his recognition of just how big or greatly he erred. In after that decision was made, he came out and said that we're still our our message and our, our goal is still to try to win. And he would not say people, you know, we were asking him, are you saying that Gino gives you a better chance to win than Eli? And he wouldn't say no. And so that, I think, really sent Giants fans flying. At the time, I didn't totally disagree. You know, for just a one game right there, I didn't totally disagree. But I don't think he was ever able to walk that comment back.
0: You think he gets another head coaching job ever again? Uh, he's a young guy. I know. He, yeah. Look, he was high on a lot of teams, you know, radars or boards or whatever you want to say. Mm. I mean, but he just failed so colossal.ly
1: I don't think so because of how. Um he's very smart and very ambitious and driven and knows football very well, and so he will be in the game for a long time, but you even look at this off season where and he he benefits from taking a step away from the game, but the jobs out there to be an offensive coordinator for a for a major team looking to go win weren't there for him, and he that's what he wants at minimum coming off a head coaching job, but he's going to have to humble himself even more than he thinks he has already because the fact of the matter is when he step, stepped up behind the microphone he even mentioned in that one quote that one of his close friends told him yeah. you're smart behind in behind closed doors and then you step in front of the camera and you sound like an oaf was the word <laughs> that got used uh, you know that's a funny Accurate. yeah exactly and that's one of his friends telling him so i don't know if he i don't know if he has the personality to do it publicly uh but you really above all You don't have to be able to handle us. Like I'm not on the team. I don't matter with the wins and losses. You have to be able to convince the guys in the locker room, all of them, that everybody's on the same team and that you're their leader. And that's where the Giants comments when they hired Pat Shermer saying he's an adult. Part of that was a shot, I think, at McAdoo saying, like when this guy steps into the room, he's in charge. Everyone knows he's in charge. Um, And Shermer has referenced, too. This is not an easy job. It's not cut out for everybody. You can be a really good football mind and not be a good head coach, and I think that's what Ben McAdoo is. Yeah,
0: he fought. He was in charge, and he thought he could be a great head coach, but clearly he wasn't. Some of the things you got to check the article out in case you didn't uh, haven't already. What is it on Peter King's new column? Is what on mo-
1: NBCSports.com? Morning morning yeah, it's like Football morning? morning in America okay. on Mondays. Yeah, so the debuted uh, this week. Yeah, yeah, it
0: was actually it, uh, not actually. It was a really good read. I mean, I read, actually read the whole thing, uh, mm-hmm. not just the McAdoo stuff, and it took me maybe a half hour. It's a lot that Peter King gives you, but specifically with the McAdoo stuff, some of it I mean makes you scratch your head. Talks about how he hates the media and needs to be yeah. or hated the media and needs to be open more open-minded. Also makes you wonder, how the hell the Giants hired a guy with that mentality? They knew him in the interview process. They had to have known that he was going to be I that know. type of guy.
1: I think part of it is always searching for that, that mind who can you know, rev the offense up to another level. And Eli's numbers had improved, and he, he had played pretty well under McAdoo. And remember, Jerry Reese saved his job by drafting Beckham in the first round of 2014. And so McAdoo was kind of growing with those guys. And then you had the competition, or perceived competition, from the Eagles at that point with his right. interview. Um, and so the Giants thought that they had to protect one of their own, but it turns out no, I agree with you. How could he walk into a room, sit there for five minutes, and you say, this is our guy? Clearly he was not.
0: Sometimes the best moves are the ones uh, you can't make or you don't make, and in the Eagles case, my goodness, they traded McAdoo for a Super Bowl win. Can you imagine what mm-hmm. a disaster that would have been? Alright, we're in the studio with Pat Lander New York Daily News covering the Giants. You want to call Talk Giants and get a free Mets t-shirt, you could do so at 800-321-0710. Quick break, we'll get more in detail with the New York Giants, specifically Eli Manning on the other side with Pat. It's Sal Licata filling in for Pete McCarthy on the Sports Zone, the Voice of New York, seven ten W O R. You're in the W O R Sports Zone. In for Pete, here's Sal Licata, 710 The number to call if you want to talk some Giants. We're in studio right now, live with Daily News Pat Leonard. Who covers the Giants? We discussed McAdoo. We discussed Odell so far. We could get into that if you guys want to call and talk about that. Um, they, we'll get into um, the defense uh, specifically, too, because I think that's a big deal with, mm. you know, and McAdoo even referenced it. JPP moving on. It sounded like he wasn't a fan of JPP. You've, I mean, look, you've been in that locker room. You've had dealings with him. Uh, JPP seemed like, a, I don't want to say a bad guy or a jerk. Maybe that's a little too harsh, but just a guy who. Didn't seem to take it too seriously. Not a good guy in that locker room. The defense went to being great two years ago, carried the team to the postseason. To being a disaster last year. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of the Giants' defense going into this season?
1: Yeah. Well, with JPP, part of that was you know behind the scenes chemistry stuff, but it was also a bad contract that Jerry Reese gave out, like a long term deal uh, that really had the Giants jammed up with what they want to do from here on out with signing Beckham, signing Landon Collins, which they have to do soon. Um, and they still have Eli Manning's huge hit, but plus 20 million. I think it's 22 million. Um, and so. How JT, many more these,
0: years for that one for Eli? Uh,
1: two. Well, okay. This year, but next year he becomes very easy to cut. Okay. which is very interesting. And, which we'll is, get, you know,
0: and we'll get to Eli in a little bit before we yeah. say goodbye to Pat, but go but, ahead. But, yeah,
1: so the defense, what's interesting about the defense is that uh, James Betcher brings in this 3-4. He's the new defensive coordinator, comes from Arizona, brings in a 3-4-D, blitz heavy. Uh, they've added a lot of new faces to it. They traded for Alec Ogletree from the Rams. They signed Kareem Martin, who played for Betcher in Arizona. Uh, B.J. Hill, a rookie a defensive tackle from NC State, looks like, at, at least for now, that he's going to start. On the defensive line but above all i you know i've said it last year after landon collins all pro season in 2016 i mean this guy could win the defensive player of the year award if everything goes right if he stays healthy he played last year on one foot i mean he almost won the seattle seahawks game by himself he had that uh you know that tied up interception that went to the receiver in the end zone uh last season but He's a guy with heart, and who Betcher told me actually, he said, This guy's one of the main reasons I took the job here. Really? I mean, he, yeah, like, you know, cause you talk to people, you don't know if they're out of market. Sometimes you look at a player from afar, you see a couple games, but you Mm -hmm. don't know truly until you coach him. But so we were talking and I just said, you know, this guy's the, this guy's the real deal. You got a lot of good players. This guy's the real deal. And he said, no, I know. I mean, he's going to, you know, we're going to build our defense around him. And so when you have a guy like Betcher, who's very intelligent and challenges his players and somebody like Collins, who comes from Alabama, certainly was challenged by Nick Saban. I really think he's going to position him to have, it's not going to be a breakout year because he was dominant two years ago, but he could really leave a revival of the Giants' D. I should name, of course, the corners with Janoris Jenkins, who was arguably one of the team's MVPs two years ago, right. but also Eli Apple. They just uh, they just drafted this kid Sam Beal out of Western Michigan, and the supplemental draft is a corner uh, who his eligibility issues, so he slipped to the supplemental draft, but a lot of teams were high on him. They spent their third-round pick for next year on him to get him this year into camp. They just signed him today or announced his signing today. He could challenge for some playing time. But the bottom line is, I'm glad you asked about the D because the offense is sexy to talk about. They drafted Barkley, Eli Odell, and all that. But the defense was a huge part of what everything went catastrophically wrong last season. You had three corners suspended, Rogers, Cromarty, Jenkins, and Apple.
0: They couldn't tackle. They gave up. They couldn't cover or didn't yep. care to. I mean, they were a disaster.
1: Yeah, like there were leadership issues. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of the angst and, kind of the, uh, the bad feeling that seeped out of the locker room and onto the field came from that side of the ball, um, as well as, of course, a part of the offensive line. Uh, but the defense has more to prove actually, then the offense in a lot of ways coming off just a despicable season with so much talent. I mean, They were the second scoring defense in 2016, two years ago.
0: That's the reason they went to the playoffs. They were a great defense. Collins, you could argue, was the best safety in the game. So they have a lot of big names. Uh, Up front it's still Vernon. Snacks is going to be up there. Who else?
1: Right, so up front it'll be, right now they're lining up with B.J. Hill, uh, Damon Harrison in the middle, and Dalvin Tomlinson next to him. So basically, you're putting three big D tackles who normally, in a a 4-3 would just be playing on the inside, but now there's three guys up there basically supposed to jam up the line and stop the run, and then you have the linebackers shooting the gap. So you have Vernon as a linebacker now, an outside linebacker which he's done going back to his days with the Dolphins and Kareem Martin. And then in the middle you have Alec Ogletree who they got from the Rams, right. a leader, a vocal voice. Should be tackle
0: machine, you yep. would think.
1: And then v- and BJ Goodson speaking of tackle machines, we all remember his uh, performance in Dallas in week one last year. I think he had 18, 17 or 18 tackles, led the NFL after week one in tackles, got hurt, couldn't get off that bum ankle all season but could really be a monster not necessarily protected but just complicated Implemented by a little more talent inside and then you have Apple and Jenkins as of now on and the outside. Apple's
0: going to be huge because he's he's got the talent now last year was a disaster for all the wrong reasons. The immaturity the nonsense you know, off the field and in the locker room and also on the field he wasn't any good but he's got great talent. He could be a big time weapon for them. If he plays up to the ability that they thought when they drafted him you have him and Jenkins assuming everything's going to be well with Jenkins and right. his brother and all that stuff that's a decent you know pair of corners right there.
1: Definitely, especially because we know that when Jenkins is healthy at his top level, he can be a complete shut down guy. And then what Apple needs to do, obviously he needs to start from the ground up. But let's assume he's on his best behavior and playing and he's on the field. He needs to go get the ball. Because he has the talent. He's long, athletic. He's fast. He needs to go get the ball when he's in the air. When it's in the air. And then at safety right now you have Collins. And we don't know who the free safety is going to be right now. Darian Thompson, Andrew Adams, uh, Curtis Riley, a guy they got this offseason, a free agent, has been playing a lot in Landon's place he was getting healthy. Uh, so this competition at safety.
0: And they still got some, they get some nice pieces though on that defense. It's amazing how awful they were. You go, all right, let's take a call here Pat. Uh, Mark in Kings Park. You want to talk about the Giants defense huh Mark? What about it? Uh, yes. Uh, first of all uh, your boy Slavko says hello. Oh tell him I said hello. Okay yeah. I I was telling him I was rooting that. for Croatia in the World Cup <laughs> <laughs> Final uh, my buddy Slavko I went to school with I was rooting for Croatia but uh, unfortunately I lost to France. Go ahead Mark.
1: Yeah, is, you know, he was just playing, you know, about the Yankee jersey thing. But anyway, you know, about like the Giants. Is I um, want to know what you thought about Elizabeth Vernon, uh, you know, switching to a pass-rushing linebacker in the new 3-4 defense. Um, you know, because that's what I think that seems to come down to is the defense. I mean, the Giants have made some upgrades to the line. You know, certainly, you know, the weapons, you know, the draft picks. Offense, I'm not that worried about. But defensively, That's what we've seen. We saw that when the Giants were good, you know, like two years ago, it was all about the defense. What are your thoughts just overall about how that transition is going to work? Yeah, no, Mark, I think, no, I think it's a valid point. I think, uh, what, even though he's switching to linebacker, what you have to know about Betcher's defense is they do blitz so heavily, so frequently. I think often, even though he's technically playing linebacker, you're going to see him rushing the quarterback. That's what he does so well. But they do believe, and he has shown in the past, to be athletic enough to get out in space and cover. Now, there's been times where teams have taken advantage of that and beaten him, like with the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey last year, but that's one of the best tight ends in yeah. the game. Uh, but but frankly, they believe he can do it, and that's part of what Betcher is. Is doing here, what they were doing earlier in the offseason is they weren't just telling Vernon you're playing outside linebacker, we don't care how you play it. They've been evaluating whether they can put the guys in the best spot to succeed and if they don't feel like it's that If that's happening early on, they'll shift things around to make it so. But I think you're going to see Vernon rushing the quarterback more often than you would believe when you hear that he's a linebacker now.
0: you think they're going to be a good defense again this year? I do. And I, I mean again by two years ago. Revert to that form.
1: Yeah, I do. I think that they were great in 16 when they had a chip on their shoulder. And somehow they lost that last year. I don't know why uh but and if the offense is better this year than it was in 2016 which is which is a low bar to to, to jump over
0: and they've stunk for years that offense i
1: know i know mark mark's an optimist he's not worried about the offense i know you got saquon barkley but they got to put up some points but no the the fact is i think they have an enormous amount of talent And I do believe in this defensive coordinator. I really do.
0: All right, good. Looking forward to it. It's amazing. Even just talking about this rehashing last year, I can't believe how dreadful they were a year ago. You'd have to expect better football moving uh, moving forward this year in 2019. When we come back, Pat, let's get into Eli and Gettleman and Shermer, the changes they made on the offensive line. Obviously, Saquon Barkley, maybe the Giants finally have a running game, something they haven't had in many years. So a lot still to get to with Pat Leonard in studio with us of the New York Daily News covering the Giants' start training camp. Uh, Wednesday. Next Wednesday, the Giants start uh, the full training camp. So football season is uh, certainly here. I mean, if not here, be here before you know it. Uh, we'll also take your calls, 800 321 710, and have a pair of Mets tickets to give away too before we say goodbye at 9 o'clock. All ahead on the Sports Zone. It's Sal Licata filling in for Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York 710 WOR. This is the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy, here's Sal Lakata. Give away a pair of Mets tickets in a little bit. 20 minutes to go here in the first night of Sports Zone. First of four straight nights. We get you through All Star Week and try to entertain you and have some fun. And to do that, I uh, brought in uh, my buddy Pat Leonard. Of course, you could see him on SNY, but you read him pretty much daily covering the Giants uh, for the daily news. And, you know, we didn't get into Eli or the offensive line yet. Mm. We know that they've made major change. We'll get into Gettleman and Shermer in a little bit. Well, let's talk about Eli Manning, because he, to me, was a big problem last year. Now, it's hard to say that. I love Eli. Got two-time Super Bowl MVP. Can never take away from that. But, you know, those playoff runs, as miraculous as they were, were more the aberration. Eli's never been a great quarterback in the regular season from start to finish. Getting older certainly was bad a year ago. And a lot of people have high expectations for this team this year. But, I mean, is the quarterback play a major area of concern?
1: Definitely. And, in fact... It's encouraging that they draft Juan Barkley to help him out. They improve the offensive line and all that. But that really puts more pressure. Like, yes, it helps Eli Manning, but it also puts more pressure on him because a lot of people want to hide behind the idea. And it's true. The Giants were among the league leaders in drop passes. So his receivers weren't helping him out. Some running backs are dropping passes and all of that. The fact is... Take those drop passes out of it. Eli Manning was still missing throws, was still turning the ball over in bad situations, which is, as you just noted, is something he's done really his whole career. His best quality is that he forgets the last play. He can make a great play right after a bad turnover, uh, but he's not consistent. He's consistently inconsistent. And now, for the Giants to look at last year's tape, like you listen to Dave Gettleman, Pat Shermer talk about how they watched all of last season's tape, and they come away thinking he still got it. You know, there was maybe one and a half games where you could watch where you could see that. Otherwise, you have to see he was in decline. And it was interesting, not to go back to it, but just when McAdoo said he wasn't trying to end Eli's career, you know, maybe that's true, but the fact is... Both he and Jerry Reese did not believe that at the moment they decided that, that he was giving them the best chance to win. Remember that game at Thanksgiving in Washington? He overthrew Shane Vereen on a play that should have been a touchdown, um, and that game was an embarrassment. I mean, he had a under, you know, under 170 yards passing, uh, and frankly, Juno Smith played better the next week than he had in many of the weeks prior. Uh, so, yes, there's a lot of pressure on Eli Manning, and it is interesting, though, Sal, from my perspective, and McAdoo referenced it, too, how much these fans still loved him last season despite how poorly he was playing. The pressure is on him now.
0: Well, that's just McAdoo being tone-deaf because when you win two Super Bowls in this town, I mean, you are going to be forever in right. I mean, that's it. I mean, you're you're a legend. Simple as that. True. And if you go back and look at his numbers, or you go back and watch him play the regular season, you know, as we have throughout his career, but you forget... This, this is Eli Manning. He, mm-hmm. he he is a turnover machine. Like this is who he is. He's not he he's not some guy who's all of a sudden forgotten how to throw. He's still got a big arm, we know that, but he's gonna make a lot of mistakes. He's very slow, obviously. So you're not gonna have where maybe McAdoo is saying, Okay, well our offensive line stinks, we can't run the football. Maybe we could help out by having a mobile quarterback with Geno Smith or something like that. That's right. not Eli. If he's he's not beating you in the pocket, he's not beating you. Hard to do that with an offensive line. So what do they do? They bring in an offensive line to help him out, they bring in a running back, they've Never, they haven't been able to run the football consistently in years here. So no. it's it's been taking a while as far as uh, building that around Eli. Do you think it's enough though to help him and to be able to win some games with the Eli man?
1: I think it is I I think it is. I think that the interesting thing though is just that just like Ben McAdoo came here and it was almost like he expected Eli Manning to be Aaron Rodgers scampering around right. making plays. Like Pat Shermer's not going to do that. I mean he's gonna play to Eli's strengths, but you know, even look what Case Keenum did for him in Minnesota. That's a guy who could roll out, could maybe make the extra step, you know, dodge a guy to make the extra throw. Get run a first
0: the, down with his legs.
1: Get a first down with his legs, run these RPOs, you know, and all of this and, and make the throws in tight windows and You know, Manning is going to have to be more mobile... Inside the pocket, um, you know that was some. That's something that's been referenced over the years. Is that you're not always going to have a clean pocket. I mean, look at even what Nick Foles, a guy that Shermer used to coach, was able to do for the Eagles. You know, the Eagles aren't always giving him great protection, but he's just able to buy an extra second to make the throw. I think the improved offensive line certainly will help. Not having Eric Flowers on, at left tackle, you have Nate Solder there. Hopefully, that tweaked knee at the end of that mandatory camp, which they said is not a big deal. Hopefully, that's the case. Uh, they bring in. Patrick Omame as well at guard uh, from Jacksonville, and you also get Will Hernandez, who's a beast, who right. players love. Who he got in that fight with Damon Harrison at camp. Harrison swung his helmet at him, but I think the takeaway from that, even though that was ugly from Harrison, was that Hernandez is a nasty player that they're excited about.
0: Flowers isn't going to start at all, right?
1: Flowers could st- start at right tackle. That's the plan. I mean, that's right a now. problem,
0: though. You can't have Flowers on the offensive line. I know they're going to yeah. move them, but and regardless of what McAdoo says, you don't need McAdoo to tell you Flowers stinks. I mean. Left yep. side, right side. He should not be on the. Plus, he's got a bad attitude. He that's should not,
1: exactly what I was going to say. You know, forget. Uh, you know, he might. Let's say he he's worked hard this off season. His attitude's got to change. He's got to be a member of the team. He's got to be a member of the offensive line. He's got to buy in because that's one thing Pat Shermer has gotten from these guys is buy in. Uh, last thing I would add too, you get you bring in Saquon Barkley. His ability to catch passes—that's something Shermer mm. leans on huge, hugely. Look at what uh, McKinnon just got—that monster deal coming from Minnesota in Shermer's offense and going to San Francisco uh, with Kyle Shanahan. So that's a that's a running back who proved his value with versatility, running Pat Shermer's offense. He's—they're going to lean heavily on Saquon Barkley. Uh, you look at what Shermer was doing with Dalvin Cook last year in Minnesota before he got hurt. I mean, he was turning into just a total beast. He was going to have one of the better seasons of any running back in the league. Before he got hurt early in the year, and so that's something they're going to lean on the running back, uh, solid tight end, in Evan Engram, and hopefully they have their uh, explosive receiver out there.
0: And this is uh, their philosophy: Gettleman, Sherman, uh, Shermer They want to run the football. I mean, they want to. Be, and what about Ellison still there, right? To be a blocking tight end more so. Yeah,
1: Ellison blocking tight end. Yeah, Brett Jones and John Jalapio, uh, Jalapio uh, competing at center right now. Um and then at wide receiver you have yeah. Sterling Shepard, of course who has proven that he can make big beast. I like Shepard. Yeah. Now
0: he's not doesn't have a great size but he's I mean the guy can go over the middle, catch footballs in in the you know trenches there and take a big hit. He makes big plays. Obviously, we know what Odell. Who else we got there?
1: Yeah, we got Evan Ingram at tight end, who I I think he's my underrated pick. I know he had a strong rookie year last year with Beckham out, and he was able to shine a little bit, but also had some growing pains. I think he's going to explode this year. I think Shermer is really going to use him a lot, and I think that with Odell, Shepard, Barkley, there's going to be too many guys to cover. I think Ingram's going to find himself in a lot of favorable one-on-one matchups. The other thing I would add with Barkley real quick, you can't learn a lot in the offseason watching these guys. You don't know how much better the line is going to be and how great the running game right. will be. But one thing you can see is when he goes out for a pass, he runs a route. When he makes his first cut, if there's a linebacker on him, the linebacker is three steps behind him, right when he makes the cut. I mean, Nobody can cover him. No, people can't can't cover him. So as long as he keeps those good soft hands and you know Eli hits him in stride, it's gonna be a long day for some of these defenses.
0: Is, is there somebody in, in the wide receiving group that is going to replace the size that they lose with Brandon Marshall being that secondary guy? Because Beckham yeah. and Shepard are similar players, right? I mean, I know Beckham's a speed demon, but Shepard's got speed and he's more physical maybe than Beckham, but he still doesn't have the size. Ingram's got the size, yeah. but what about on the outside?
1: Yeah, there's Cody Latimer they brought in from Denver. Their new wide receivers coach, Tyke Tolbert, who has a long-standing relationship with Beckham going back years to when he was a baby uh, at LSU. He actually, he coached uh, Latimer in Denver as well. This is a guy who hasn't realized his full potential as of yet, uh, but can de- get down field and has some size. They're hoping to be able to count on him. He did drop uh, more passes than any receiver that I observed when I was able Mm. to watch in the offseason. It was a small sample size, Uh, but that's a guy they're looking at. There's also a guy, Hunter Sharp. Uh, They signed him off Denver's practice squad last year. Who really had an impressive offseason and with Beckham out and injured and rehabbing, Sharp was taking a lot of first team reps. Uh, A couple guys I should mention too, Roger Lewis could take another step at wide receiver. And then also Shane Smith, the fullback. You know, I thought maybe with Rhett Ellison serving that tight end fullback combat, you know, combo role, maybe there wouldn't be room for Shane Smith. But Shane Smith, the fullback, I think Pat Shermer and the Giants and Gettleman, you know, wanting to run the football and be a heavy team. I think there could certainly be a place for a guy. Right there, who's a hard worker, dominates the weight room, and uh, made some strong plays on special teams and on offense last year when he was given the opportunity.
0: In studio with Pat Leonard covering the Giants for the New York Daily News. You can see him on SNY as well. How uh, So far, your dealings with Schirmer. You like him? I mean, I know compared to McAdoo, you like anybody, but how's Schirmer in your opinion?
1: I like Shermer a lot. I think, um, and I, I actually got to spend a fair amount of time with him over this offseason just because of all this turnover. He was around a lot. You know, he was he at had the draft. The, he was at uh, the NFL owner meetings. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So the, at the owner meetings in Orlando, that was a big part of it. Um, and then just his introduction and getting to know us a little bit. You know, they always pull the, re, uh, the beat reporters aside early on and just kind of a get to know like 15 minutes or so. I think he's a good combination of relatable and serious. So he always makes clear that he's the authority in the room. But he's very much a human being, so you don't get the feeling that you're talking to somebody who can't relate to you right um and he's not but, talking
0: down to you the way McAdoo would
1: right he's not talking down to you he's just more talking sternly like you get you know when he's telling you something that's not an opinion for him it's a fact that he you know that he wants to get across to you as well, but also he You know, he's very, he's been very diplomatic. I mean, you know, you could come in and trash the previous regime. You could come in and say things haven't been done correctly. I'm going to do them my way and they're going to be right. And he's real, he really takes seriously what the Giants want to be, what they had been in the past, what they want to get back to. And, you know, he has a lot to prove for himself too. He doesn't seem like he's feeling the pressure right now. You know, it'll be interesting if they suffer a couple losses, but. I think he recognizes he had his first chance in Cleveland as a head coach uh years back it didn't it didn't work out and now he's worked his way back up had a great run here with Minnesota mm-hmm. and now he's back with a dream job and so he acts he takes it very seriously um but he definitely I can see why like Odell Beckham is excited to play for him cuz he's somebody who has a simplified offense that's what I should mention couple of players mentioned to me that his offense is much simpler to understand and execute in the, compared to McAdoo's, mm-hmm. whether it's just naming the routes, numbers, uh, or whether it's just letting a quarterback feel the play and adjust rather than saying, your foot needs to be here when you make this throw, that type of thing. Uh, so I think even though he's stern and the authority, the players like kind of some of the room he gives them when it comes to executing the X's and O's.
0: How's the health of uh, Gettleman?
1: So the the most we know right now is that it's encouraging that he released a statement when they drafted uh, Sam Beal in the supplemental draft last week saying that they had had a draft meeting in office and had conferenced in um, several people, you know, scouts, et cetera, who had seen this young man play and you know, I did some digging around just to confirm that that meant Gettleman was in the office, and that's noteworthy mm. because right away he was undergoing, you know, chemotherapy and treatment for lymphoma and battling cancer. He was not in the office every day the way he normally would be. And obviously, you have Kevin Abrams working with him, and he stayed in contact. Gettleman said from the beginning, "If I'm not in the office one day, I'll still be a part of every decision." But we didn't know until we saw that statement that he was back in the office, you know, working and be able to go around and go about a normal day. Now, we don't know to what extent that is happening, uh, but at least that was an encouraging sign, it would seem to me.
0: Yeah, good. I mean, scary when you have that happen and uh, you don't even get a chance to barely know the guy. I mean, he hasn't even had a full year mm-hmm. yet, and then you hear that happen, so you wish another uh, good health for him, but good mm-hmm. to hear the encouraging signs. We're in studio with Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News. We'll come back, give away a pair of Mets tickets, and say goodbye on the phones if you feel like it. 800 710 Finish things up on Night one of the All-Star Week with Sal Licata filling in for Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York 710 WOR. Now, you're in the WOR. Filling in for Pete, here's Sal Licata. Right now, your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Mets take on the Braves August 5th, City Field. Caller number 16 at 800-321-0710. You'll be the winner. Purchase tickets visit Mets.com Slash ticket. Anything, Pat? You're looking up, uh, or you're looking forward to in this NFL NFL season overall? So much news. You got the Le'Veon Bell with the franchise tag, and then the labor disputes potentially coming down the road. New refs and all that stuff. There's always seems to, the rule changes, all this stuff in the NFL. What are you looking uh, forward to here?
1: Well, I think I think it's alarming to see that Bell the contract Bell. Reportedly turned down five years, seventy million. So that would be a fourteen million dollars a year for a running back. So he's going to play again on this fourteen and a half million dollar franchise tag, and uh, presumably, you know, hit free agency. They offered him that today. Yeah, that's what uh, Ian Rappaport is reporting. So
0: why would he turn that down? What does he think he's
1: getting? He thinks that he should be paid. A combination of a number one running back and a number two wide receiver because that is his value on the Steelers team. And he's also, this is something to watch too, league wide. Just like Odell Beckham is trying to do this, not just for him, but he's trying to set a new standard and say, no, no, no. Players deserve more guaranteed money, and they I'm going to be the and I'm going to be the guy to do it because I'm a superstar who can do it. And Bell is trying to do that for running backs too. Like LaShawn McCoy, I think is up there right now at the tops of running backs, and it's only like in the eight million or so. And so Bell is trying to set a standard for running backs. But he also believe I mean, he technically what he defines that as he is worth that. But for a team salary structure, I mean, that's a huge deal to turn down though. No matter who you are, especially a running back whose career how many more years you have
0: left. And real quick, Seconds, Barkley. What's his deal? He's not not signed.
1: Yeah, so he's actually not signed. Uh, seven of the top. 10 picks still are not signed, so it's not a huge deal, but Roquan Smith with the Bears not reporting with the rookies right now. Not technically a holdout yet. No indication Barkley will hold out, but that's something to watch, of course, if it remains on sign going into camp.
0: Giants training camp starts Wednesday. Everybody should be in attendance. Well, you hope, and you especially hope that Odell Beckham Jr. will be there. We know one guy will be there. Pat Leonard, New York Daily News. You can see him on SNY. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate the couple minutes. (laughs) Thank you, sir. But not even the couple minutes. I appreciate the hour, for goodness sake. Awesome hour. Let's do it again uh, during the season. right, we'll Get back to the Mets calls and all that stuff tomorrow night. Free t-shirt giveaway. We'll do plenty of baseball. Wally Backman scheduled to join us in the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, We'll have some fun with you along the way. Maybe do some Jets tomorrow night as well. Good job, Producer Mark. Good job, Bob, on the board. We'll see you tomorrow night in the Sports Zone. Uh, Right now, the news.